Welcome to Fishing Lines, from novice to expert, from river to sea. You're in the right place for the biggest stars and the best information on the UK fishing scene. So, Dino, nice to see you, mate. How are you? I'm very, very well. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. You good. look brilliant in all that lighting. Well, I, it's a little bit through work. I spend a lot of time on Zoom and uh, I've had to move with the times because you go on some business calls and people's lighting's rubbish and you're looking at people's nose and they, you can't hear what they're saying. Plus, I'm deaf. So, I, I, <laughs> so I've had to invest in a pair of headphones because people are talking away and I'm just nodding going, yeah, yeah, that, I no idea what they're saying. So, yeah, a little bit of investment to get it um, looking a little better. Uh, and and I, I appreciate your um, your cart world behind you. You showed me earlier on. Was that your one cover? Uh, what I know of, yeah. Um, I only I only knew about it to be fair because a mate of mine um, just basically stuck that in the post, framed it, put a little message on it, and um, yeah, just a nice little gift. Yeah, it's nice. I don't have I don't have I don't have any. Do I have any? Oh, I've got one. I've got one athletics thing up, which um, UK Athletic gave me when I retired. I thought it was going to give me a pension. They gave me a picture of myself <laughs> with a nice inscription. <laughs> Thank you, KA. <laughs> um, That'll keep me warm uh, on the winter evenings. Yeah, it was. A, it was made up as well. Like it was going to be a massive thing. It was a presentation at the Crystal Palace Grand Prix, and it was like you've got to come down, bring all your friends, all your family, and sort of wandered out into the middle, wondering what I was going to get. And they gave me an A5 photograph of myself. I was like. Yay! <laughs> Great. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine gave it to me, so that was quite cool. We had a little chat in front of the crowd, but it wasn't. I don't. I didn't know what to expect, but anyway. But that was, and that's the only fishing one I've got up. To be fair, I don't really. Your medals were tucked. I don't even know where my medals are. They're in a boot bag. I was just about. I was just about to ask that. I would have thought, you know, in this Zoom times, when you're thinking about backgrounds, you would have had all your medals and everything else you've worn up there. Well, it, if truth be known, mate, I do run around with just my medals around my neck. Right? <laughs> right. When people say doing the windmill, it's more with the medals. <laughs> no, the missus no, loves that. First thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, cling, clang, clong. <laughs> I honestly don't know where they are. I, I, re I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the last time I even looked at them. Really? Uh, I'm tying rigs too many times now, aren't I? <laughs> and that, that was a long, long time ago. Do you, um, do you keep an eye on it? British athletics? No, not so much now, mate. No, it's. I mean, I, I still work within the track and field industry, more at the grassroots, and more more along the lines of coaching the teachers and the coaches. So, giving them my experience over obviously twenty five years odd um, at a decent level, but bringing it back down to how they can relate that to the to the younger kids to give them a head start, which I didn't have because I just. I had PE teachers who were extremely enthusiastic about sport, but had very little technical knowledge. And so my passion within my track and field work is trying to give the teachers the technical knowledge to match their enthusiasm so that they can make massive differences at a younger age. Um, because I was probably 17 when I got a decent coach to actually teach me how to throw properly, jump properly, run properly, like the fundamentals of just being an all-round good athlete. Don't, not, not necessarily a track and field athlete, but just the fundamentals of running well. You go over to a football pitch and you see lots of good footballers, but they don't run very well. You know, and that comes along if and when they get 
trials, which we all had. Everyone had a trial somewhere, didn't they? <laughs> um, but it was, um, so that's, that's sort of where my track and field time goes. And I love it because there's not a lot of people that have been where I've been, done what I've done, that are prepared to put the time and the effort into that, that sort of area, you know? And I think that's where it makes the biggest difference. Um, but obviously I've got a little bit of a niche thing going on, innit? you know, you can get a sprinter in to teach you how to sprint. You can get a jumper in to teach you how to jump. You get a thrower in, or you can get me in and I'm going to do the lot in a day. Yeah. No, so, well, not this year. COVID killed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's been doing a great deal of anything. How no, you got- I tried doing a javelin thing online and it didn't work. Right, Actually, okay. I did throw javelin in the garden and I skewered the hose and the wife had a go at me. So now she's bought the most expensive hose known to man. That'll teach you for doing daft yeah. stuff in the garden. Like non-kink, it grows, it shrinks, it's literally like a snake. And yeah, I saw the price when I got my Amazon bill for her. I was like, how much for a hose? She's like, you shouldn't have skewered the other one with a javelin, should you? <laughs> so right. what are you doing at the minute to keep fit then? Because obviously everybody's been trying to keep fit through COVID. Is your, cause as long as I've known you, you've been super fit. So have you suffered through COVID or have you kept yourself no. right? I, I sort of um, I did a um, I did the classic roller coaster really um, got super 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 fit like wickedly fit um, the first couple of months um, but then sort of got into my three o'clock in the afternoon coffee and packet of digestives routine which is things to continue <laughs> but you know I'm like mid forty now and so I don't mind if I have a little bit of junk food and I don't mind if I miss a training session but. Um, no, I, I kept in touch with quite a few coaches that I know throughout, well, all over the world, really. And we did quite a lot of Zoom workouts and made up some funky challenges. And um, my old Instagram account, I, I've, which got hacked, which I no longer have control of, um, I did some physical challenges on there. Because I saw a lot of people going, oh, let's do 10 push-ups for 10 days. And I was like, hold on, hold on, what? <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, we, we're going to do 10 push-ups for 10 days for someone that's really suffering from PTSD or something like that. I'm like, well, if they're really suffering, 10 push-ups doesn't really quite put you in the same position, does it? Let's do something physically demanding and let's challenge people. So, yeah, I came up with some funky ideas and actually we're still doing that today. So I've got this push-up challenge and burpee challenge, which um, I do once a week with a few people that are all over the world. So we have a little WhatsApp or Facebook or Zoom meeting and I'll go out in the garden and we just blast each other for half an hour <laughs> nice um, but i'm training almost every single day that i'm not working or fishing so i went over the track yesterday to be fair and done my backing so i might have a week off but i think that's the middle-aged man in me just i don't i don't bend and i don't bounce like i used to yeah i mate it just it it comes with age i i started to do a bit of running and um i, I got back up to 5k pretty quick calf strain and then six yeah. weeks out with a calf strain and, yeah. and any bit of running fitness. I went out this morning before work and did three or four K and I've only not run for six weeks, something like that. And anything I'd built up before has just gone. Yeah. What's the impact? That's the thing with the running. It's the body getting used to the impact. Most people think that they have to go training for a marathon or a 10 K because their cardio is not good enough. Most people's cardio is fine for a 10 K or a marathon. It's the physical but it's, it's your body that can't deal with it. It's your calves, it's your joints. And yeah. particularly, I mean, you're not a light guy, nor am I. I'm over 16 stone at the moment. And to run 10K, you know, and take all those forces through your ankles, your knees, your Achilles, your, your, your patella, all those little intricate 
parts of your body that don't see that makes hard. That's why I've always said that I'll never run a marathon until I'm north of 50. Because yeah. then I haven't got the added pressure of having to do it under three hours or anything stupid like that. I can just plod around with an old nanny next to me <laughs> or the guy that's dressed up like a sailor. <laughs> you know the BBC is going to pull you out, though. As soon as they see your name on the starting list, they'll be like, and we're still waiting for Dean at halfway stage, and it's, it's four hours. We're looking out for him now. Well, I've got, I've got two options. I can just do it and enjoy it, or I could go off with the elites, run the first K, and like make everyone feel like I'm going to do two hours, ten minutes, and then fake a hamstring pull. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, Mo's lucky I hurt myself again. <laughs> But no, I'm, 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 I, I, I just, do you know what? I love feeling fit. I love, I love knowing. I don't need anyone to know about it. I, know, I love knowing I can do a bundle of push-ups. I love knowing I can just drop down and do 100 burpees or do something like that, you know? And I spent so much of my life trying to be the best I could be that even though, you know, I barely have a six-pack at the moment, thanks to McVitie's, I, um, I don't care because I'm still... You know, as, as far as mid, like middle-aged men go, I'm all right. I'm well all right. And I have a deal with my wife, which has been ongoing since I retired. And she keeps saying to me that I can fish as much as I like, as long as I look like I used to. So as long <laughs> as I look like an athlete, I'm on the bank 24-7. <laughs> it's too impressive outside your bivvy. Yeah, <laughs> I have done circuits on the bank before and then literally gone for a, like a bath in the, uh, in the lake in my pants. <laughs> Well, that's Not about right. like when we went to um, the Ebro that time. And it, can you remember how hot it got? And I had to get in the Ebro because it was so hot. Yeah. But the, do you know the underlying memory of that trip was when we went up, because we fished the tyre tracks. I know there, what you're going to say. The site, the Jumanji mozzies. <laughs> they were attacking the window, weren't they? We were like, <laughs> oh, bless him, Ed's going, this is a good area. Me and you going, I ain't getting out. I ain't fishing it. No, look at the size of the mozzies. They'll eat me alive. <laughs> well, we gave it half an hour and went for a wander down the track. And um, joking, we were like, oh, they're following us. And it's like, <laughs> these mosquitoes. And there was a cloud gathering behind us. And then I realised how unfit I was and how fast you was. Because I turned around and you just got, I was like, cheers, Dean. I got absolutely hammered. And they were it's jumped the in the car. In and they were like that. They were, they were actually hitting the window to get to us. It's the classic, if I ever got attacked by a bear, I don't need to outrun the bear, I only need to outrun you. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes for mozzies and everything else. Yeah, just have a slightly tubby mate and you'll always be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, a good trip though, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. It, the fishing was. wasn't easy, and bless him, Ed worked his socks off and did some miles to try and put some fish. Worked the river up a little bit, that's why it was... Yeah, yeah, it was... That's a uh, long it, time ago, mate. Do you, know, do you know how long ago that was? Five or six years. No, more than that. Is got it really? Got to be more than that, mate, yeah. Got to be more than that. I'll have to have a look at the pictures, because all I know is when I look at my albums, right, I've got my old camera, and that's like seven or eight years. Right. It's got to be. Mate, it could even be ten years ago. That's how cool. I'm telling you, honestly, well, when, we've, when we're done here, just have a look back. I bet you it's double that. It's got to be 10 years. You're probably right. But the thing is, I look at that trip and go, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. In my oh. mind, we only went a couple of years ago, but it's two years since I saw you on the Trent. Yes, it is. Yeah. Cool, dear. That was a trip as well, wasn't it? Uh, I've, been back up, I've been back up since. I, went, I think I went up to do a Dino's diary. 
Right. Um, again, on Cromwell, we had just booked it out for all the guru boys to come up once we'd had a double each sort of thing, you know, like just fishing like four rods, but between like five guys. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, what what a place. I know it takes a lot takes a lot of stick from a lot of the locals, um, you know, because there's a lot of big fish that live there. Yes. I don't know whether there's as many big fish that live there as, as everyone makes out. I think there's a lot of repeat catches, <clears throat> you know. I didn't feel, I think, I think I fished it three times. And a lot of the fish that I see, like certainly 14 and 15 pound fish, are similar fish, say similar fish, you know, the same fish that I see on our trips that come out. Yeah. Um, but, but there is a, a stupid head of doubles that live up there. Not sure now because it's been a couple of years since then, but um, yeah, what an absolutely. And I didn't know what to expect when I went up there the first time because I thought I'd heard a lot of stories about messy banks and this, that, and the other. And it isn't. It is. No. It is an absolute treat to be on there with three or four mates and just have a really good social because that's what it is, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's good fishing, but it's not difficult fishing if we're absolutely honest. Um, I think possibly the only thing that makes it difficult is that the volume of pressure, there's always someone on there doing something and then you're sort of fishing over old bait a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I did better on singles than anything else. Um, it's probably a testament to how much bait actually goes in and how much bait's knocking around because you've got all those fi- those fish grubbing around and same yeah. as you say they're there they're present they're eating and all they need is one bait to trip them up. Yeah, but a super super stinky one. That's what I put out there. Um, but yeah, well, well, we we did keep thinking about getting back up there, didn't we, and having hooking up. But I, I I've got to be honest, I am kind of thinking about having a couple of trips up to the trench. It's a long way though. That's the problem. You know, and every time I, every time I jump in the van, I sort of think to myself, you know, it's 48 hours and I don't know. I enjoyed it. I do enjoy the trench fishing. It's completely different to how my favourite barbel fishing is, which is intimate rivers, all locked up, heavy gear because you're stocking big fish. You can't give them an inch. But I do like the two rods in the air on the buzzers and it's, it's so different that I enjoy it. But I pro- I'm not sure whether I could do it every single day of the week, but for two or three trips a year, it's a real treat. Well, it's interesting. So how many carp anglers have moved over to fishing for barbel because on rivers like the Trent, it's quite similar. Trent and barbel. And I was just saying, I think it's an easy migration for some carp anglers because the techniques are so similar. It's kind of bolt rig fishing. But I think a lot of, clearly some very, very good carp anglers who are good at hunting fish and stalking and floater fishing see a fish target it go for that one um and i think they could translate over to the way that you barbel fish on small rivers but yeah. i think if you are of that ilk that is turn up blam a load of bait out wait for the fish to come to you that doesn't translate to small barbel small river barbel fishing no it's 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 much more it's it's, it's more of a sociable way of barbel fishing in it because everything takes care of itself you wait for the rod to hoop over you've got the space and the time obviously the bottom's a little bit rocky in some places but um on on the small river this is the other thing as well on, when people think about barbel fishing they instantly think about the trent and the wire where you're getting multiple bites and you're just in a swim for 20 minutes here there and everywhere the small river fishing isn't anything like that no more there's just there's not the volume of fish and especially particularly on some of the stretches where you're fishing for big fish you know you can have multiple blanks you can be fishing epic looking swims with one or even no fish in there and so you have to have a lot more patience um 
and and believe it or not and a lot of traditional barbell anglers may even cringe when i say it but that's one of the reasons why i've started fishing my rod on a buzzer after dark because i've sat there for three hours before kickoff time getting the old phantom bites and nothing's been happening um and i think it's just one of them cases of fishing so that you're as effective as possible and i'm looking for you know i was out last night i baited a swim for three hours i fished it for three hours tip never moved but i was convinced i saw a fish where I saw it, you physically couldn't fish for it. And if you did, you certainly wouldn't land it. So I baited where I felt like I had a chance of it drawing out onto my spot. And with a chance of me still landing it, even though I still probably where I was fishing, couldn't give it much at all. Like As in, like, yeah, if it took a foot of line, that was absolutely it. Um, and it didn't happen, you know. So you're, you are fishing for... A lot of the time lone fish and for these small rivers with bigger fish a lot of the time you're fishing for a really super low stock nowadays mm. um and so it takes a different mindset to the you know if there's any carp anglers coming over and you just want to catch a barbell then i would say the trent and the y are a much more obvious place than than the lee or the kenny or the avon where really you've got to spend a little bit of time it's much more rewarding not that, not that the big ones on the Trent don't mean as much to me or the big ones on the Y don't mean as much to me as the ones on the smaller rivers around the country, but it is much more rewarding being able to spot a particular fish, feed a particular fish to a spot, so draw it out from a snag, you know, and then watch its roots, watch the way in which it approaches the bait, watch it devour your first sitting, then bait drop a few more on top just as you're lowering a rig, and then it goes off, you know, that is... That's super, super cool, that stuff. But it's just... So you're getting excited already. You turned away from the camera then and you were like, you're starting to focus on the process. Doing it, it happened. Like last week was brilliant, you know. It happened a few times last week. No no, no doubles, no big ones. But when when you have to work hard and you see the fish turn you over and, you know, when it leaves a spot, you're like, you're winding in. You're just adjusting a rig here and there and you're just laying it on a slightly different spot because you feel like it's... I don't know, it's just... It's... It's... It's man versus beast when you can physically see them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think with, with a lot of lakes nowadays as well, they're so, they're so busy, particularly commercials, you don't get an awful lot of that sight fishing, you know, margin fishing in the edge where you can creepy crawly stuff in the, in the corners because there's a lot of foot traffic and so they tend not to be in, them, in the margins all, all that often. So if you can find that sort of fishing on a really low, clear, intimate river, then... As much as it's difficult and as much as you blow more chances than you than you nail, it's I think it's like the ultimate. It really yeah. is. You know? And I, I like I've always said that on them small rivers, when you turn up and there's a foot of water on and there's a nice little bit of colour to it and you think, Oh, definitely gonna get a bite tonight, right? That they are the worst conditions for me. Because I look at six different swims 10 different swims 15 different swims and i can't choose because they all look mustard i prefer it when it's super low and super clear right really? when you can physically, yeah when you can physically go well they ain't there <laughs> they ain't yeah. there. you know so i use my eyes my eyes are a really good tool for me particularly when i'm fishing plus i'm obviously i'm like a normal guy but with ladders you know i'm i'm, I'm taller than the average dude so i can see over the top and i get a, i get a much better view of a lot of spots just because of my natural height yeah um but i love i love small rivers when they are really low and clear or when they're up and raging because for me then the spots you want to fish are glaringly obvious do you know what i mean 
let me ask you a question and be candid about this. It, it's it's just your opinion. So there's some places over the summer that have been super low nearby me, and I've been looking in between the weed and where I think a barbel runs. I've not been seeing fish, and I've always looked at them when the weather's been high, when the water's been higher, and thought that's got to be good for a bite or two. Just places where I walk the dog, yeah. and then I thought, well, why don't I run the drone over the top? Why don't I just take the drone on a summer sunny day all the way down, and I'll know what's in there. So. Drones, yes or no? No. <laughs> Too much. Did, for the record, I didn't Too do much. it because it kills some of the, for me, it kills some of the mystique. But yeah, I thought I'd ask much. the question. Too much. Like, I can see it. I can see it being a thing, you know. I mean, I purposely don't fish waters that are accessible to me because I don't like the idea of being at a disadvantage with a boat. Now, I would use a boat. I've been abroad for a week to a certain venue or one venue in particular. And I knew it was bait boat dominated and my pride got the better of me. And I was like, nah, 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 ain't using it, ain't using it. And it was super busy. And by the time I'd moved on to fish, it was a really weedy sort of venue anyway. But by the time, several times throughout the week, I moved on to fish and I found spots, you know, light leads, just flicking them around. The fish were already gone. And there was guys that clearly could play PlayStation better than me that were just <laughs> dropping solid bags in the middle of nowhere with their GPS and stuff and doing well. And, and as much as, as much as I was pleased I didn't give in, my pride took a, my, my pride cost me an, an, a whole week's worth of fishing, you know. Um, and would I have rather have had 10 bites on boats than, than worked my socks off, fished well and had a tension of rud? <laughs> of course. You know, that's stupid. And so from that experience, I have not got a problem. Um, like, let's say I go over to Lac de Premier in the winter um on a lake booking where boats are allowed at the moment and you're getting them over like a tin of corn and a 12 mil wafter you can't do that at 100 yards one tin of one spawn and then a bait over the top you know you can't do that you're going to be just off right which will cost you in them situations when everyone else is doing it i'm i'm all for it i'm game but on four or five acre lakes where the chucks are no more than 70 yards and there's not really too many overhanging snags and stuff like that, where any competent angler should be able to fish every inch of that lake and people are still using boats, then I think that's just lazy. And I know that the, I know there's people out there that have just spent three grand on a boat <laughs> and I hate me for saying it, but that's my feeling. And I don't think, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here to impart my standards or the way in which I feel fishing should be done on anyone else. You want to use them, that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's it's entirely up to you. And I do use them when I feel like I'm either at a disadvantage without using one or I feel like it needs to be done. So I'm not completely against them, but I am completely against them when really it's just bone idle laziness that, that is is the reason why they are used. Um so it's <clears throat> so I've sort of come round to the idea of I'm kind I'm I'm kind of all right with boats. You know, I am. I mean, yeah. I a golf ball straighter than I, I steer my boat. I'm used <laughs> Honestly, I would rather cast 160 yards because it takes me less attempts to get it on the spot with a cast than it does with the boat because it's, it's literally like this. I'm forever trying to straighten it up. But, but to that point, but though, but a drone, I think, is just a bit too far. Like, you know, out. I don't know. can't really explain it. Yeah. I don't, so, I, there's some gravel pits by me. And you can't walk around them. They're nature reserves. 
yeah. and I've only bought a drone this year and I bought it just kind of to dick around with because I was bored in lockup. But it's on my to-dos to go to the... They're on the same flood pit plane as places that have got some big fish in, and I know yeah. that the water's gone all over the place. There is no way you can get all the way around those pits. And I'm definitely going to go with the drone, have a look around and just see what's escaped over the years and see if there's anything in there. Not that yeah. I would advocate guesting on gravel pits. Obviously, I'm just for my own personal benefit, clearly. <laughs> do you know, do you know, I mean, it's probably come about because it's, it's, it's well known that when you do, when you do shows, right, when you're either filming online or doing monster car thinking tackle gurus all stars whatever we use a lot of drones but we don't use them for fish spotting we have spotted fish whilst using them but we don't use it like if if, if the cameraman sticks a drone up i'm not the first person to sit on his shoulder and go yeah do us a favor where's one under that tree see what's over there do this that i'm fishing i'm busy you know what i mean i'm yeah, trying yeah. to angle um but it, it's almost certainly come from those situations where the cameraman has come over to us and gone there's a stack of them over the other side, mate. And right. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. You know, I'm, I'm sort of one of those guys where I'm, I sit on the fence. I've got splinters up my bum. You know, I, I, was, I was slow on taking up the deeper. And to be fair, as, as much as I still use the deeper, I don't use it all the time. You know, I use it when I need to just for, you know, quick time saving or if I'm fishing a zig, it's invaluable. Um, I was totally against boats for a long time and i'm not like i said i'm not like a com complete convert i'm not i'm not comfortable with them but i will use them if necessary and i'll probably be the same with a drone like if you was on a four thousand acre pit right or 60 or 70 acre pits in the middle of nowhere then i can see where they would be okay but in my mind i have this horrible feeling where you're going to be on 10 acre or you're going to be up at like linear on Mar on Marsh, um, sorry on Manor, and there's just going to be 15 drones up in here. Yeah, no, and and that's the death of fishing for me. <laughs> like yeah. that's just absolutely awful. I can't, you know, I don't think it'll ever be like that. But that's how I see it going. You know, like it's it's one of those. You know, some people might justify it as going, oh, I'm an early adopter of of technology, but you know. I'm not a centerpin lover when it comes to fishing or I'm not a centerpin lover when it comes to like catching tench on a, on a peacock quill by the lilies on a, you know, that's not me. I'm all for catching fish in the most effective way, but I like to try to use the old school watercraft ways of doing it. You know, I like that. I don't want to know that I'm not on fish all the time. Hmm. You know, I was over at Parco a little while ago. Oh, a few years ago now. And I fished one rod. I was in old peg seven, I think. No, peg nine. And I fished one rod, washing line styly, tied off to the far side. And my mate was going, just keep flicking your deeper out. Have a look. Because they, they've got to be there. They've got to be sat out in the deep water in front of you and then just drifting in. I said, mate, I don't want to know whether they're there or not. I know that I'm getting four or five bites a day. That's all I need to know. I don't yeah. need to know where they're coming from. I need to know where they're ending. And they're ended up on my spot over there. You know, it gets... It gets a bit too much in here. Well, it, it does take that magic out of it. it. It stops being that, you know, boyhood dream of looking into the water and wondering what's in there and yeah. what kind of catch. The unknown is why I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I hit a fish last night in the Trent that I couldn't stop. 20-pound braid, 20-pound hook link, bent over double, 
took 40 yards and went straight into a snag. And I mean, the rob was hooped over like that. Really? I don't know what that is. It could be a big barbel. It could be a carp. Ain't a barbel. Catfish, you ain't, you sturgeon. Ain't, you, ain't getting, you ain't getting spooled 40 yards into a snag on 20-pound braid and 20-pound uplink on a barbel. And I know that everyone goes, oh, they're the hardest fighting fish. But you can... I've had big barbel in Spain in the 20s, right? Um, you know, predatory barbel. I'm fishing 20-pound braid, 20-pound uplink, size six, wide gapes and all yeah. that stuff. You know, like carp gear. And you can stop big barbel on carp gear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what do you reckon, man? Because there's, there's like sturgeon and cats and everything being caught from that place, isn't there? So, well, exactly. And that's the bit of... Big carp as well. It, it could have been anything. But that's yeah. the bit that I enjoy. I hate losing fish and I hate the thought. So I got most of my tackle back. I, I put the rod on the rest for maybe 10, 15 minutes and I was watching for knocks and stuff. And I actually yeah. thought about going in, but it was getting dark and it's about 10 foot where I fish. I thought, mm, this isn't going to end well. So in the end, I had to pull for a break. So I don't like the fact that I've left a hook in a fish's mouth. That doesn't sit well with me. But it annoys me that I don't know what it is. But to that childhood magic kind of thing yeah who knows what it is it's it's a very big fish that's swimming about in an area that i know quite well and i want to go back now and catch it thing is though if it, if you if you put the rod down you was feeling for the fish for some time you haven't yeah. left you, you've left the fish you've left the hook in the snag that fish has almost certainly shed that hook whilst yeah. it was in you know you know full well and i know you as well as a good angler if you if you'd have felt the fish on there, you wouldn't have been pulling for a break. No, absolutely. No, it, I'm stood watching the tip and nothing's happening, and I'm feeling the line and nothing's happening. Give it ten minutes and then just try different angles and walk around, and the, yeah. there was there was nothing. The but one yeah. that got away. The one that got away. <laughs> <laughs> so um, filming. I've, I presume you've not been doing anything for months. You've, you've got to be way behind on schedules. Yeah, we are. So All Stars got, I mean, everything really got sacked off as soon as lockdown came in. Like All companies just went into like freeze everything, lock down the budgets, redistribute where we need to. Um, and luckily, since fishing's been re-allowed, um, fishing's absolutely taken off. So I, I would assume every company's the same, but certainly the companies that I'm associated with have done exceptionally well. Um, and so, yeah, filming with regards to the ITV stuff that we do. So All Stars Season 3, which was scheduled this year, obviously isn't going to go ahead. Um, I've already been out and done three lots of filming for Guru online. So Guru do this, uh, the free DVD now. So it's just called Fishing Gurus. So volume two, we're filming as we speak. And that'll be going out next year. So I've done two lots with them, three lots with them so far. Um, a couple with um, Andy Bennett versus Steve Ringer. Um, fished over two matches. So two absolute machines when it comes to seat box well, just match fishing. Um, and um, and then I did one on the River Wye, which was quite good. So I've, I've done a lot of filming on the Wye over the years. And so we was like, we was humming and ahhing whether to go up there and do another, like, Dino film on the Wye, you know, because yeah. they're, they're all a sort of little bit like each other. But we went to a brand new stretch that I'd never fished or seen before. And just followed me around like learning the stretch and working my way through the puzzle and 
I've got to say, for the first half of the day, I was really like a little bit anxious because we had a lot of canoe traffic. It was like one of those beautiful days when everyone and their dog just wanted to go down. So it's like trying to barbel fish in stomp, you know, crash, bang, wallop, bing, bong, bing. And I was like, I know this fish there, but no self-respecting barbel is going to ever go right now. I don't think it spooks them out to swim, but it definitely stops them from having a feed. Um, and the session just progressively got better and better and better as the sun dropped obviously witching hour as i started to learn the venue we decided to have a bit of a go for the uh, the chub on the float on the far bank on the old pellet waggler as well through the middle of the day which was i didn't really know how it was going to go knew it was a reasonable chub swim to be fair um yeah it was it was really it was really excellent and so what i would say is even though i haven't seen any of the edits yet so i think old rimmer's in the edit suite sort of chopping it about a bit at the moment it seems like a really good one and possibly the best one that we've done so far. So um, we've done some bits, but we ain't doing any of the, like the out and out TV stuff. Um, yeah. Certainly not this year. So I think that's all just been put on the back burner until 2021. Right. Okay. Um, it takes some balls to do that. You know, to go, uh, I'm going to go and for the camera, fish somewhere that I've never fished before. And, I'm going to go and catch fish because the cameras are there. Yeah, Do you know I'm what not, I mean? I'm not that bothered about that, though. Are you not? No, I'm not. I'm not that bothered. I don't. I don't give a monkey's whether I catch bundles or or I have to scratch around for for bites because I know what fishing is like. Some days you're you're a hero, and other days you can fish your heart out, and it's just a tough day's fishing, you know. And the weather can be perfect. The river can be perfect. The, everything could be lined up, but the fish just don't have it, you know? So, I, I, you know, we've been fishing long enough where I don't worry so much about it, you know? Um, obviously, I need to get fishing content. Um, and obviously, if there were multiple days when I couldn't deliver, then I probably wouldn't be in the position that I'm still in. But, you know, I've been doing these films and stuff from various different people since 2005. Yeah, you know, so it's you know I'm long enough in the tooth now to not stress too much about it, and we are to a degree. We never really get, we never really get the time to go to right proper difficult venues where there is a good chance of blanking. Mm. You know, we do pick our venues wisely, um, and so and and I, to a degree, the way in which I fish the wire, I if you give me two days, I know I'm going to land on fish at some stage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If they're there, I will find them. It might not be for the first three or four swims and it might not be for the first day, but I will find them. Um, but what I think a lot of people find interesting is, is the process leading up to it. So everybody's seen a million fish being caught on TV and once it's hooked yeah. and once it's in the landing net, it's just a fish. But I think when you've been fishing for a while, what you're more interested in is you walking up and down and saying, well, there's a crease there, so I'm going to come just inside the crease. And actually, I fished this swim last year, and there's more water pushing through, but I know this is it, so I'm not going to... Do you know what I mean? And that, it's same as you say, unlocking the puzzle. 
yeah, it's the it's the process, and and hopefully, I mean, we did an idiot's guide to barbel fish or idiot's guide to catching your first barbel on the River Wye. We was going to try and do an idiot's guide to catching your first barbel, but that is so generic because it doesn't work. Like what works on the Wye doesn't work on the Trent. What works on the Trent certainly wouldn't work on the Kennet. So you can't do that unless you're doing ten of them for every different river. So, and everyone that asked me where should I go and what should I do to catch my very first barbel, I'm like, well you really want a trip of a lifetime to catch your first barbel one of the most beautiful rivers in the country is the river Wye. if you go through a couple of different agents and pay 40 quid a day between you and your mate you'll get it exclusive for yourself so it's not like we book it out like no one else can you that's how it works um you'll have a great holiday in a great in great scenery and you'll be on fish yeah you know so um, we did an idiot's guide to catching your first barbel on the wire and that went down really well even though it was sort of almost repeating what we'd been saying over the years of doing fishing gurus on there and this that and the other it was just all of the little snippets of information in one little package um and like i said that that seems to have been received super well um and and hopefully we took it to the next level with regards to the 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 one that we've just done on the wire for fishing gurus volume two, which will be out next year. So it seemed a little bit sort of repetitive because it was only three weeks apart when I did the two films. No more than that, four weeks apart, five weeks apart. Um, but there'll be out 15, 16 months difference between them. So right, um, okay. it'll be something new and fresh, you know, hopefully. You started doing one-to-ones. I thought I'd seen either on yeah. Instagram or Facebook that you started doing. Is it, is it guiding or, tutoring bit of both really some okay. people come down and say i want to catch a 20 pounder i'm like sweet because <laughs> <laughs> that, can, that can make happen um other people other people um just give me things that they want to work on they want to chat through the technical side of things i've always said to people that the biggest difference between the good anglers and the anglers that are not so good. It's not the bait, it's not the rigs, it's the technical side of things. It's being able to hit the clip consistently. It's being able to find your clip, you know. Um, lots of little things that add up to just a good day's fishing, you know. And if you can improve that one day every single time you go out by one, two, three, four percent, then over that month, over that year, that, you know, the course of those improvements will catch you a significant amount more fish. Yeah. And in those extra fish that you're probably going to catch because of the improvements that you've made, that's probably where the big one's going to come from, you yeah. know? Um, and like I said, some people, some people just contact me and say, look, you know, I, I'm really struggling on this particular venue. Can you come and give us some pointers? Other people just literally want to pay me to come to like the fish <laughs> against me. Um, but I haven't done too many. I did about, I think it was maybe two years ago. I didn't do any last year, but about I think three years ago, I think it was, someone contacted me and said, look, I, I want a really special present for my husband for a wedding present. And, and this is what I'm thinking. And I went, well, you know, if you don't like me, then he's probably not going to be that special. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's cool. I know that's good. That's good. I went, all right, fair enough. So I, so I did it. And I don't know why I did it. it I, I, I'd all, up until then, I'd got an awful lot of requests and I just sort of batted them away because Generally, when I'm filming and coaching through the summer, and most people want to go sort of when it's reasonably nice weather, the days are a bit longer, it's more pleasant. Um, I'm too busy to do it. And, and a few years ago, I did this one. And then 
and I really enjoyed it. It went absolutely super well. I, I really enjoyed it. I decided to do another one for a mate's 40th birthday, and then I did another one, and then I left it for a bit. And then two years ago, I posted on, I don't know what social media site it was, Facebook or Twitter or something, that I was, I was opening up 10 days that year to do one-to-ones. Um, just because of the previous year, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, well, do you know what? I've got, I've got three days there. I'll stick, a, I'll stick a one-to-one in the middle. And I, I had the same thing in a few different areas of my diary. And, and they sold out real quick and they all went really, really well. Um, but last year, I was too busy to do any. And then this year, with regards to, um, I haven't advertised them. It's just, I suppose, people have just been fishing mad a little bit more. I've had a few more requests come in. And because of that, I've accepted a few. Um, so it's, it, I don't earn a living out of it, mate. It's not, you know, I don't charge an absolute fortune. Um, if I'm going to pencil a day in the diary, then it obviously has to warrant me not going out to do any other work. So I have to charge. Um, but I try not to budget myself out of the people that support me. That's the most important thing. Um, so I want it to be accessible for everyone. And, and I've had parents bring their kids along for a day to 75-year-old men that have never like, feeder fished in their life and they've never, they've never put a rod on a buzzer to, like, and their wife literally going away going, thanks, I've got to buy them two rods and buzzers now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get, honestly, I get goosebumps when it all goes well. You know? And I get goosebumps, to be fair. I get a really good buzz out of the day. I've had one blank. So we've probably done, I don't know, maybe 30 over the last couple of years now. Uh, but we've had one blank, and that was kind of recently. And so I got the monkey off my back. But the good thing is they were both sort of golf-orientated, and so they wanted to work more so on the technical side of things because they said, oh, look, I can, I can go and play golf, and a pro can smack a load of balls like in front of me and hit them 300 yards straight down the middle of the fairway. But it doesn't give me anything to go away and work on to improve. And so they wanted that sort of technical aspect for the day as opposed to catching a bundle of fish. I was like, mm. right, that's what we're going to work on then. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I quite enjoy them, to be fair. And I suppose it sort of comes from the... I love my coaching within track and field. So I love athletics. I love my coaching in athletics. And I just thought to myself, well, I love my fishing. I, I, I'm a natural sort of coach anyway, because I, I like to try and not only inspire, but I like to try to impart my knowledge onto other people to help them succeed in whatever they're doing. Um, and I really suppose for some of the guys I get that really are quite novicey when it comes to fishing, I really enjoyed helping people out on the fish off when we were filming that as well. So I thought, well, that's not an issue either. So I, I, I just sort of, I haven't, you know, it's not a, it's not a big thing for me, but I tend to accept more requests now than I, than I refuse. Okay. So if somebody did want to fish with you, how do they go about that? Facebook on my Facebook page. Okay. Or Instagram, but the real Dean Macy 10, not the Dean Macy 10. <laughs> Did you never get that sorted out? Ooh, if I could get hold of someone from Facebook, honestly. I had I, I went back and forth with them for, for ages and they just wouldn't for, for people that work in one of the most technologically proficient software company on the planet, they are thick as you like. <laughs> 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 I was like, no, this is not the account I'm actually concerned about. I've opened this account to try to raise a uh, support ticket for the account that you've locked. Okay, but this account's fine, isn't it? Yeah, but this is not the account I'm worried about. This is just a makeshift account because you're not accepting any of my risk. I was like, oh, in the end, I just went, thanks, Bob. <laughs> just hung up. 
<laughs> I was like, God, that was it. And to be fair, if you can't get it done, do you know what I mean? You could literally point them to YouTube and go, just, you know, go and look at me. Google me. Just go and look at the million photos of me. You know, a normal person. This is funny as well, because when they went, right, okay, can you do us a favor? We're going to send you a code, all right? I want you to email me back this code with a picture of you justifying it that this is this is your account, right? So I've done this, and I've put the code on here and the date and the time. And at the bottom, I've put, this really is me. Google me if you want. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who I am? And I've never done the do you know who I am? But I sat there at night after about 25 phone calls and emails and all that stuff. And I just, in the end, I was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, this is getting stupid. Like, who else would want to be me? So, anyway. So, I started a new one. Very good. And that's the real Dean Macy. Real Dean Macy 1010. Yeah. Okie dokie. Not it's the, the old one. It's the one with no followers. <laughs> the one with loads <laughs> of followers is my old one, <laughs> which I don't check daily. <laughs> so if people but are still yeah. subscribed to the old one, they should abandon, unsubscribe, yes, and come do. over to the real one. Come over to the real one, where all the action is, where the magic happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the good stuff is. I know, I know. But... Uh, Yes, yeah, so I've had I've had a varied year to be fair, mate. But um, I've got another one to one this Friday. I, I do look forward to them. And actually, to be fair, most of them end up with my mobile number, and I end up I just like look if you if you're going to buy stuff in the future and you're not too worried about what or this that, you know, I, I sort of keep in touch, you know. So I don't want to do too many because I don't <laughs> I don't wake up with loads of WhatsApp messages every day. No, it's nice, and I think people can underestimate how much value that they can get out of one day. You know, whenever, let's say we travel and you go, right, I'm going to go to somewhere and catch a Nile perch or I'm going to catch a catfish. You go, you get a guide. And as good as you are at fishing, that guy's going to go, right, what we're going to do is we're going to go yeah. to the other side. We're going to tie off. We're going to use a live bait. And you're looking, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have yeah. fished like this. And the amount that you can learn in a day or two days from a local expert, it's, it's two or three years worth of fishing and experimentation on your own. But yeah, I've seen yeah. some people online bitching and moaning about the fact they've got to spend a few hundred quid. You're like, well, this per- this is this is this guy's livelihood. They don't have to. This is the thing. They don't have to. You know, like it's it's there. You know, if you don't want it, don't. You know, that's it. Yeah. If you don't want it. That's fine. You know, if you want to, I learned the hard way. You know, I've never asked any questions. Oh, I've had the luxury of sitting behind Steve Ringer and and Rooney, and I've, I've been fishing with you know some really good anglers. But I learned the hard way. You know, on my first ever cast, I didn't have a clue what a bay line was. I was backwinding the line out as I was casting. And I used to come home after every session and go, Mum, I need a new spool of line. She's like, <laughs> it should last longer than a day, shouldn't it? I'm like, yeah, but there's lots of, I don't know, I'm doing something wrong, but there's lots of tangles and I just got bird's nest after bird's nest. You know, I, if, you know and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like you don't have to watch the shows. If you don't like me, don't watch the shows. Don't, you know, that's it. That's as simple as it. If you don't, if you want to use a bait boat, go use a bait boat. I'm not going to, but you can. Yeah. You know, know, no one really imparts anything onto anybody. You know, the one thing I love about fishing is if you're happy sitting there with a couple of beers for a day in the sun, getting burnt, not catching much, but going home at the end of the day and going, do you know what? What a fantastic day. And then I'm up the other end catching 30 fish sweating dripping hungry because i'm getting another bite and i can't i haven't got time you know we've both had a great day yeah who's right who's wrong no one's right no one's wrong you know if that's what you want from the sport 
brilliant. I'm, I'm all for it because I, I actually go and sit in corners and I'm not bothered about getting a bite sometimes. I just want to be out in the open air. Yeah. You know, other times I've got my business head on, you know, and I'm not a competitive person any, anymore. I don't find being a competitive person. It's not a nice trait that people look for in a friendly guy. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are around nowadays go, oh, yeah, I'm super competitive. And I'm like, no, you're not. You know, there's a difference because when you're super competitive about something, you know, it's really easy to be a dick about it as well. You know, uh, and, and I, I know because I've come from 10 years of being a professional athlete when my wife said that I was distant for 10 years, you mm. know, now I think that's nice. That's a nice way of saying you was a bit of a dick for 10 years <laughs> you know, or selfish or whatever. But, but being that competitive sort of person, the, the way in which a lot of people sort of portray it, it's not a, it's not a particularly friendly trait. And so I'm not really that competitive with anybody only myself now, you know, so I like to go and I like to fish technically really well. Like last night, did nothing wrong, just didn't, it weren't prepared to come and feed. Probably fed at two o'clock in the morning when I was off the river, you know. Um, good luck to it, Barbell One, Macy Neal. <laughs> Do you still have nightmare sessions? Because there's some days I go out and as well rehearsed as I am, I'll break something, you know, just all my PVA bags will fall into the water and it's just one thing after another after another and you're like fuck it I'm going home I'm done today's not my day do you still get them because you fish a lot I do you know what I fish I fish short sessions a lot you know um but I don't do big long sessions that much I actually don't fish I, I don't I fish nowhere near I'm not like Martin Bowler who who's on the bank Monday to Friday it's a job for him he loves it and and you know I couldn't do it. That that burned me out. You know, I fish more than the guy that works nine to five, but nowhere near. I probably don't even do three days a week. Right. Okay. Probably don't do three days a week. You know, I might, I'll do three evenings a week on, on the local river, but I'll train in the morning, do some work, get down there at two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, fish till 10 or nine or whatever the kickoff time is. Yeah, you but know? you're so still like, you're still quite tacked. Do you know what I mean? When you're in a rhythm of yeah. I'm gonna do here and my tackle's ready, you just you get in when you're fishing a lot, you, you get into a rhythm. So yeah. t- please tell me you still screw up. Don't tell me no, that I do. <laughs> I, do, I do, but do you know what, right? More often than not, pushing through that little barrier where you think, I'm going home. I am going that is that's it, I'm done. Like I've wrecked it. More often than not, them sessions, if you can just get yourself together, are the ones that produce something special. Yeah. It's, I mean, I had a right old flap up when I was in France a couple of weeks ago. And I was day two. I, I, we got the rods out late on the Saturday when we arrived. And my first two bites was a 52-pound 50, grassy, 53-pound um, two-tone. Right? Now, I've never had a big grassy, but always wanted one. And I... And I, and I love a two-tone. I think two-tones just look exceptionally big. I don't know why. I just think that, that line straight down the middle of a two-tone mirror just looks wicked. And when the, uh, we was at like the Premier, and when the biggins at Premier feed, right, they all feed. So you know that when you, your first two fish are in the 50s, I mean, mate's two fish are in the 50s as well, you're like, right, this is it. Game on for the next 48 hours before the the 30 pounders and the 40 pounders start getting on it. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, next morning I got a take and I played it all the way in. It rolled in the shallow water at my feet and I, I 
probably should have been down in the water by now, but I knew it was a big fish and I knew I had a bit of weed under my rod tip. So I was sort of keen to stay up until lastminute.com. Um, and it cut me off. And I, knew, I saw what it was, and it was a big old fish. And I had a right old flap up, and I tried to rush everything. And it, getting that rod back out, everything went wrong. I, I put the hook in my finger, I broke this, I did that, I, I trod on a rod as well as I was like, oh no. And I thought, right, I'm day two, I'm going to get on my mountain bike, I'm going into the village, I'm going to have a beer, I'm not going to fish today, because I'm proper, I'd, I'd lost my shit. Do you know what I mean? I was having a real old flap up. And then I thought to myself, no, come on, next bite could be a big one. And bearing in mind, I knew I sort of, I had a good idea of what I'd sort of lost. I figured a big one would have to be one of probably two or three fish. Um, got the rod back out two hours later, I had a 70 pounder. One of the, one of the three fish that I thought, and I'm, I'm thinking this as I'm sitting on my bed chair, right? I'm sweating with anger. Right, and I'm having a proper old like, <laughs> Ray, go away, leave me alone. I'm sorting my shit out. You know, just anyone coming around, I'm like having a go. Go, get lost. No, not now. Um, and and it happens, you know. So we do all have flaps. We do all get into a right old. I get the ump a lot, but I get the ump myself a lot. That's 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 the thing. Yeah, I I get it. You can put yourself under too much pressure, and um, it's you've got to have that inner voice just to go. As you say, calm down, take a breath, get a drink of water, step away for a minute, and then come back. Because actually, in the grand scheme of things, there's small little things that are happening. But they can see when you've got fish feeding in front of you, and you're all fingers and thumbs, and you're screwing everything up. It's just, it's the worst possible thing. You can drill something a hundred times. You can tie a hundred rigs when there's no fish in front of you. And then as soon as you see a fish, you think, oh, I've got to retie a rig. It's in your thumb, it's up a tree, somehow it's stuck in your top, you blunt the hook, you start again. But that's that, that, a lot of the times when you get into that, that's just the that's the schoolboy excitement, I find. Yeah. You know, whereby that's what we go fishing for. You know, if you don't get excited when you know there's a fish, like people say to me, oh, like I always think the best time, the most exciting time to go fishing is when you know there's a great chance you're going to catch. Yeah. Now, I know it's called fishing, not catching, but you know, I'm not a great camper. You know, if I'm going to invest my time somewhere, I can, I'm all right on the rivers. I don't mind blanking on the rivers because they're wild. Them creatures have got big because they're not, they're, they're, you know, they're very wary of their environment. I'm not sure they're riggy, but they know when a rig goes. I've baited so many big fish on rivers and then lowered a rig in absolutely perfectly and they haven't come back out. And I'm lowering it in. There's not a disturbance, back lead, you name it, nothing. Like, even, you know, even if I told you I'd put a rig in, you you wouldn't believe it. It was that quiet, and then fish haven't come back out. They just know something's different. So on on rivers for them wild fish, I'm okay blanking, but on on most still waters, I expect to catch. So if I'm going to invest my time and go to a still water where I know they're they're encapsulated within that area, then it's down to me to find them, get a bait on them, because I feel like in the time that I'm there, there's probably going to be a feeding fish somewhere. Yeah. You know, and and I don't I don't find them all the time. By you know, I'm, I'm no Superman. No one is. Um, but but yeah, if I'm going to invest time, then I I want to catch more than blank. You know, I I, I can completely understand the people that say, oh, you learn more when you blank. You don't learn more. When you, blank. you learn what you, you learn what your balls up. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of the time. But I so I'm all for that. But I really do love catching fish. I love the sport, but I love the bite. I love yeah. catching fish. 
match, mate. And if I knew that I was going to blank all the time, I probably wouldn't go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Chubb. Oh, okay. Because it's I've seen you numerous times say, yeah, gun against my head, Chubb, number one fish, favourite fish. And most people will look at that and go, well, that's odd. They're kind of the, um, I don't know, the Renault of fish. Do you know what I mean? most, they... people, most people never spent years of their youth chasing them up and down the River Chelmer like a knob, like I did, <laughs> throwing lumps of luncheon meat and lobworms at them when they were clearly sus Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I literally just, I spent so many hours trying. I remember, I just, you used to be able to see them, you know, like the River Chelmer used to be a lot, but most small rivers used to be a lot more prolific than they are now. And when I used to see one come past me, and I was sat on my little light blue galaxy seat box with the black lid that used to pop up with all your pole rigs and your bits in. And I saw one come past, then I saw another one. I was like, right, straight onto the feeder rod, free lining, lumps of cheese, meat. And, and I was, it was so clumsy. And I never caught them. They always, like, where I cast there, they bolted there. When I cast there, they bolted there. And, I, mate, I wouldn't give up. I would chase them before I knew it. I was a mile down the bank, left all my gear. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was it was super fun, but they always sus me. And and then obviously you start to learn your trade. You just you, you sort of grow up. You learn different methods, bait and weight, you know, or different spots to fish from as well. Because I was only fishing where I saw them. I didn't fish where I felt like I, I could feed them or where they'd live. Didn't have that watercraft or that knowledge at the time. And so because I invested so much time when I was a kid trying to catch these wily chub that 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 always done me. Every opportunity now, I, I see a big chub. I think to myself, I'll go have a go, you know. And I said, and it's one of in the UK. It's the only target fish I've ever set myself, and it was a ridiculous target. And I was on tight lines once, and Keith said to me, "What's what's what's your target for this winter?" Or it was something like that. And and I said, "I want to try and catch an eight pound chub," you know. Wow. And it was all, it, and I felt embarrassed saying it because, you know, I knew I was on a stretch of river that had a couple no, no stretch of rivers got loads but i knew i was on a stretch of river that had a chance if i was one of those lucky people but we're talking three thousand meters of river for this particular stretch how many snags i couldn't even tell you you know um and we're talking maybe two or three fish <laughs> you know so good luck you know <laughs> and, and, and I, I spent seven years on there targeting the chub exclusively pulling baits out the way of double figure barbel because there was a big chub in there you know, and I wanted that chub more than I wanted the barbel and trying to almost bait the barbel away. Um, and over God knows how many fish, and big fish too, on one particular evening, I called my mate up when I sat on this river and I, I said, Dave, do me a favour, come down. He, he only lives 10 minutes away. I said, come and take a photograph of this 614 for me. And he went, oh, nice. Okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I went, yeah, sweet, lovely. And this, this sort of bird watcher slash dog walker with, with, a, with a massive great camera with a dirty great big telephoto lens walked past just as I hung up the phone. And I said, uh, I said you look like a man that could um, take a photograph. Would you do me the honours? And he went, what you got? I said, I've got a 614 chub. He went, Christ, look at the size out. I said, I know, mate, I know. So he took some lovely photographs just in the dusk. My mate Dave turned up and he went, where's the fish? I said, oh, he must have walked past the guy. He's, uh, he's just just walked off he took some photographs for me he's like his camera was like 20 times more expensive than mine so i figured he could do a job anyway i said yeah look coffee's there pull yourself one out and we'll sit down and have a chat flick the rod back out goes off 10 minutes later 
And I've climbed down the bank to land this fish. Dave's gone, do you need help? I went, no, 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 no. And as I'm, this particular swim, I'm playing them with the rod tip down low, just literally. So I'm flicking it across. But as I'm getting the big drop back, they are literally swinging straight the way down onto the inside where the pace is. So every time I'm playing these fish up, and as I'm lifting the rod tip up, don't know why, but they just kept drifting out into the middle. And it was, it was the bane of my life that I could never work out how to get them all the way up and then like sort of get them in. But it made it quite awkward because I'm a right-hander with a left-hand net and the fish was down to my right anyway. So I was always like this. Anyway, I've seen this thing come up with his dirty great big mouth, but the head and shoulders behind it as well. And on this particular river, you don't get fish like you do on the river wire where you see a big head and a big shoulder and then it sort of tapers off. On this river, when you see a big head and a big shoulders, it's got a big chest, a big belly, a big back and a big towel and it's got big everything, you know. They are just like, they're dub but bigger. Anyway, I've sort of hurried, climbed back up this um, the bank and I said to Dave, I said, do me a favour. He said, what's that? I said, whiz down there and net it for me anyway he's gone down i've lifted into it and it's and it's gone in straight away he said what's your best i said seven nine he said i think you, i think it's bigger i said so do i because i've just <laughs> 20 minutes ago put six a six fourteen back so i've seen that fish in the water twice as it's gone into the net and as i pull it back and i'm thinking that just looks like different gravy Anyway, he's lifted it out and passed me the net and I've just put it on the mat. And as I put it on the mat, and you know when they lay on their sides and the depth has just done this and it's 24 inches long and I'm like, oh my God. I said, you, you, I said right, scales are in that pocket, wastelings in that pocket, you're going to have to do this for me because I'm a bag of shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Anyway, I t- and I said to him, as he lifted it up, I said, look, if it's 7.15, I knew it was a big one, like proper big one. I said, if it's 7.15, that's fine. Thinking, don't give me eight pound if it ain't eight pound, right? Yeah. He went, it's not eight pound. I went, great. He said, it's eight two. I went, oh, man. So he'd done the photographs and Dave's like this with the camera and I'm like this with the fish, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I didn't even fish for the rest of the night. I had 90 minutes left on my ticket before kickoff time. I didn't fish, just walked up and down. Dave went, I put my gear in the van and I walked up and down the bank like, like just like mesmerized anyway on the way the next morning a mate of mine rung me and he said you're going back i went no done this is three days before christmas right so he said um i said no i'm done he said but there might be another one i said i don't care i'm done and when i'd left that night i I don't bait rivers i fish for a bite but when i left that night my plan was to be up there for the two days on the bounce because the weather was epic it was like gone up it gone from like seven degrees during the day to 14 degrees two days three days before christmas so i thought i'm never going to be fishing for for at least a week after that anyway so i thought i'm going to make the most of it but i just i just threw everything else in on the spot that i had just to say thank you to the like i, I just caught my dream fish right just to say thank you he said but there might be another one and i, I genuinely wasn't going to go and he talked me into going back up there and as i sat on the spot as dusk started to fall they were rolling like dolphins on the spot. And that second night, I had a 6-11, 6-9, 6-11, 7-2, 7-4. And I only fished for six hours over both nights. So three hours both nights. So I had a 6-9, Jesus. And, and, and do you know what? I haven't really been chub fishing since. <laughs> Not on that river anyway. That next season, I went after the big barbel. The barbel that... You know, not that I purposely pulled the bait out of big, big barb, you know, 14s, 15s, you know, I'm happy to take them all day long. 
But when I, when I felt like the barbell were going to get in the way of possibly catching one of those big chub ODs, because I'd had a number of sevens leading up to this as well. Um, you know, I was all chub orientated. But the very next year, I went hell for level. Maybe in the next two years, I went hell for level with the barbell as well um, on this particular river. Um, but when I do my chub fishing now, I tend to like, now I've almost got the monkey off my back with that big one. Yep. I, I like going down to the stout. And, and the Stour now, albeit probably not the best river in the country for seven pounders, probably, you know, for volume of fives and sixes, I find it, you know, you're probably hard to beat it. Um, but as with most smaller rivers nowadays, the, 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 the gigantic bigger fish that seem to have been around five, six, seven, eight years ago seem to have died off, obviously. Mm. They're the fish, that's what we do. Um, but the Stour still got a fantastic head of fours, fives, and sixes. We've probably still got the odd bigger near and there, but you, you wouldn't travel all the way down there to target one because there's so many of the others. But the old traditional maggot feeder, getting them on the float, you know, those sort of methods that I learned over the years after chasing them around like a wally, you know, um, you know, that's still probably the best way of going down there and having a go. Whereas on these smaller rivers where I doze fish, I was boily fishing for them, you know. Right, okay. I did watch that video you sent me the other day, you know, when you did that day on the Stour and that little, oh, yeah. little, that little, little bit of a fire with me. It's one of those rivers that's been sufficiently far away from where I live. And as a kid, mm. um, that was always in the news. It was always the Royalty Swim and the Hampshire Avon and the Dorset Stour and you used to sit looking at Angler's Mail and it just felt like a different country. It was so far away. So there's something in the back of my mind that says I'm going to go and fish it at some stage. Yeah. And when yeah. I sat and watched you fish, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a bit of that. Sometime well, soon. If you need a mate, <laughs> yeah, I'm halfway, mate. You can come down to me and we'll drive from me to there. Not a problem. I don't have to twist my arm going back there. But the thing is, I mean, I suppose I missed the, I missed the Stour through its heyday when the real big ones were in there, probably because that was the same time that the other river that I was fishing was in its prime for big ones. And so you couldn't really do both. Um, and when it came to out-and-out big ones, you know, I mean, volume of fish, the Stour's always added when it comes to numbers, but... You know, I, I was in the right place at the right time. No one in their right mind could ever turn around and target an eight-pound chub. That was my dream. It was a target, and I was, you know, I'd been, I'm sure I fed a couple of big ones as well. And by that, I mean eight-pounders. Mm. Um, but they either done me, or one particular time, I lowered the feeder in, and literally two minutes after lowering the feeder in, the tip went like that, and then slammed round, and I wound in a little minnow, and then a perch about seven ounces. And I was like... There was two massive chub on the spot. Where did they come from? You know what I mean? And, and they never came back. So I was close on a couple of occasions. And it was one of those fish where you just think it's not going to happen. It's not going to yeah. happen. You just keep plugging away in the hope it does. Um, because you're not really spotting fish in the winter. You know, you're doing your homework through the summer, working out where you want to sort of spend most of your time. But in the winter, you're just fishing on a hunch and using the watercraft. And like I said, when the river's up and pushing through, as long as it's not chocolate, they're the sort of times when I really like it because I'm like, if I was a chub, I'm going to be there. Yeah, and that's half the battle. Um, you raised an interesting point then that you missed out on some of the classic days of the Stour through other things you were doing. Where else do you think? Have you got any regrets where you think, I wished I'd gone and done that because those fish aren't there anymore? Any missed opportunities? Yeah, possibly Adam's Mill. But at the time when Adam's Mill was club ticket accessible for most people and doing 
some real big fish. I don't feel like my skill set would have worked on there anyway. I feel right. like I'd have gone in and just thrown my bait dropper up in the air and just spooked them <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> all over the yeah, maybe, maybe I'd have learned a bit quicker. Um, but again, that sort of time I was I, I was doing other things at that sort of time, you know. So I've been, I've, I've I've had a lot of red letter days. And I've been really lucky. And I don't, I don't follow the crowds. I try to not follow the circus around too much, um, you know. And, and I don't ask many questions. I just go. I fish for myself. And yeah. I, I don't find. I don't find. I never fish for my sponsors. I never fish to try and get things in magazines. I, I, I literally go to the places I want to fish, and I fish for myself. You know. Um, and so I've never, you know, I, I don't really want to be the person dropping a bucket behind someone and saying, oh, when you leave, let me have a go and all that stuff. That, that's, that's not how I like to fish. Um, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, because if you want to go catch a British record cruising, you've got to kind of do that. Yeah. You know? um, but, but it's just not for me. And, and so I, there's probably loads of places that I haven't really made the most of at the right time, you know. Um, but I can't moan because of the volume of decent fish that I've caught. You know, that's a nice way to be. If if you can yeah. look back and go, yeah, no, no regrets. I've not missed out. That's that's a nice position to be. Oh, I, I missed out, but I probably wouldn't have. I, I probably wouldn't have been good enough to ma- make the most of the opportunities. Yeah, there. yeah. You know, like you know, you've got to learn your craft. Yeah, you know, you really have. And and just just you know, just knowing there's big barbell up on Adams Mill on a really tiny, highly pressured, intimate river like that. It's a different kettle of fish because at that time I was fishing the River Seven. You know, that's that's the sort of barbel fishing I was in at the time. I was I was chucking feeders at, at, at fish on the Seven, and it's it's a completely different ball game. And I know you have to go and put yourself in that position where you learn, and sometimes it's a steep learning curve. But steep learning curves on Adams Mills not the one, is it? You've got to go no. up there and you've got to know. I mean, I, one of my good friends, Vince Rogers, had twelve fish over fifteen pounds. Yeah, twelve fish over fifteen pound on the bounce. Yeah, but he never fished for anything that was smaller. He was sight fishing for them. I hadn't had that experience at the time, and I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think I'd have just been that. I'd have been the big idiot bumbling around trying to throw a three ounce feeder. I'm going, yeah, well, I caught one on the seven, like it. <laughs> now I'm a bit more refined, you know. <laughs> yeah, basically, fishing's a long journey. The, the skills that you pick up in one place sometimes aren't transferable to somewhere else and going and learning your craft and learning little bits from the people that you meet and the places where you go. That's half the fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And well, you say they're not transfer. Sometimes they're not transferable, but I've from my match fishing background, from watching the boys match fish as well, at a really high level from the volume of carp fishing that I do transferring it all over to the specimen angling. There's not an awful lot from match fishing and carp fishing you can't utilise within some form of specimen angling. I think the way my angling at the moment is just like a rainbow. You know, there's so many colours to it, and as much as I probably do a bit more carp fishing per year than any other form of fishing, mm. um, you know, I, I do like to try and tick off as many colours as I possibly can every single year, even if it's just a couple of days. And that's it, one hit wonder. You know, like the rud fishing. I went rud fishing earlier on this year, I had five twos in two days. I haven't been back since because when the weather's been perfect, I've been busy doing else, uh, other things. And when the weather's, well, when it's good fishing conditions, i.e., southwesterly, overcast, then they're the worst rud fishing conditions you can have. And it's a long old journey for me. So, um, 
you know, that was an exceptional trip. Didn't yeah. bag a big one by any means, but can you call a two pounder a small fish? Hell no. No. You know? Um, and they'll, not... whether they'll be there again next year or not, I don't know, because those small little windows, I did think to myself this year, I've got to put the time in and have a good go for those because that could be another Adam's meal. You know, by the time I really get it nailed on, they might not be there. But it just hasn't worked out with my timing. You know, I got a good, I, I did have a good trip. I'm thankful for that. Caught some stunning fish. I love the sight fishing as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, but again, there's always next year. And if it yeah. doesn't happen next year, there's something else I'll be doing. Yeah, you're right, mate. You are right. So, favourite venue, UK and abroad? And <laughs> I know this is going to be tough because, as you said, you're, you're fishing as a rainbow and it's like saying, pick your favourite child. But gun against your head, one from the UK, one from abroad. Because I don't do it that often and because it's kind of exclusive and, and we all love a bit of exclusive fishing and because it's for one of my favourite species and the venue's absolutely stunning, the River Wye takes some beating in the UK, you know. And there are some big ones up there. A big one for the Wye is a £9, even a £10, you know. But there, you ain't going to go to the River Wye to target that size of fish because there ain't an awful lot of them. But I, I just love the style of fishing, you know. Um, it's closely followed by almost every other river that I fish on in the UK, do you know what I mean? Because I've never had a bad day down on the Stour either, and I love the Hampshire Raven, even though I haven't fished it for a long time, because I just love that style. And um, Abroad, I mean, commercial fishing abroad, Gillam's. Like, how, how can you not say, how can you not say, Gillum's fishing resort it's it's spectacular and you and I have been going for many many years now um I haven't been for a couple of years but I certainly one of the reasons is because the last time I went out there I never felt like I'd ever better it you know it was one of those sessions but um I mean I remember the first time I went was probably the first time you went was it as well my second I'd I'd been an ad I'd been an ad one trip out there um and I saw it as uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Thailand, for me, at that stage, was just beyond comprehension. It was so far away. Yeah, and, exactly. So far. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, went once and pff, just so addictive. Just, especially in the early days as well, because there, there was a sense of the unknown. There was. And the variety in the early days was spectacular. I remember mm. feeding the thurabin with the bread underneath your feet and... They, like the Mekong at the time were really, there was quite a few in there, but they hadn't seen anglers baits as natural food. So to catch a Mekong there was super rare. Whereas five years later, they were smashing the pellet like you wouldn't believe, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, but my, one of my favourite venues, I, mean, I, I couldn't even tell you the name of it, but I'll try to describe it. It's where I went to catch my Camiso Barbel a few years ago. And I had a couple of trips and it's a, it's a flooded valley up in the Spanish mountains. It's nine miles long, probably 150 yards wide, averages about 10 metres deep. Very natural low stock of a variety of barbels. So there's the common barbel in there. There's the hybrids, which are a hybridised sort of common slash camiso. And then there's a few very genuine 100% camisos in there. Um, hasn't done them to excessive sizes, but it's done them to 30 pounds, which is miles big enough for me. But it's not one of those... It's, not, not that they're, they're a circuit water, but it's, it's, it's completely off the radar. Do you know what I mean? You see mm. any anglers down there. No one ever goes there. And I, um, a mate of mine, Paul Austin, got in touch with a guy who got in touch with a guy who found this other guy. And, and we went out one February 
um, and sat there in this canyon. It's, it's like a canyon, miles from anywhere, black as you're at for 15 hours a day, never saw a single fish roll. We was like, you're kidding. You know, it was, but it looked right. It felt right. You know, all you can find, all you could see is like vultures swirling around above you and boar running through your peg sort of thing. So it was proper wild, you know, go up the mountain for a poo with a view every morning. <laughs> that was the highlight of the day. <laughs> but we decided that it was such a cool place. We'd go back that November. But the crayfish in this particular place are, are when I say brutal, I mean like brutal. You know, they'll eat, they'll eat the pellet and the, and the corn and everything out of your hand. You know, they'll just eat anything. We went back this November and I was two days late arriving because I, I, I came over a bit crook, so I missed my flight. By the time we got out there, um, like I had an idea of where we needed to put baits. Um, and there's this just, it's like basically 150 yards. Of, you're living on a mountain, so you're living off this cliff, right? You can barely get a bivvy up. It's like super dangerous. If you go out at night and you roll over on a rock, you're 15 foot down and then you know, a 10 foot drop into the river, like into the uh, lagoon, mate. It's like, you could easily not come back from this place. It is really cool. Um, and wild, but over on this ledge opposite us, right? There's just a sheer cliff and it must be 200 foot high where it's the water from there. It goes 10 meters down to the old river med. And I decided that because I'd read that these Camiso barbel are really predatory and you can catch them on lures, that one day I was going to go out and I was just going to do some like vertical jigging, some drop shotting, real close to this ledge on the far side where the crayfish, you just had crayfish holes everywhere, you know. And, and on, on this particular trip, we heard them every single night. So the first two nights we didn't catch anything. Um, but we heard them, bushing, and, and they were hunting, they were eating, do you know what I mean? And we didn't have bites. I was like, right, we're doing something wrong. So I thought I'd take this little jig rod and I'll start doing some lure fishing. And as I turned the boat sideways up to the cliff, the echo sounder pulled in so much closer to the cliff that it naturally would do. So we'd been up and down on the boat, expecting, like, or inspecting certain areas and looking for, you know, any sort of feature other than the riverbed to try and fish because it was clear they didn't want to feed on the silty riverbed in 10 metres of water but they were, they were feeding somewhere else. You know, fish are moving, boshing, jumping like that, then they're definitely having a grub whilst, you, whilst you're there. Anyway, I turned the boat sideways so I could get really in close to, these, um, to this cliff. And there's sort of like these little gaps in the cliff that you can pull yourself real super close. And bang on five metres, half depth, there's this ledge about 18 inches wide, right? or comes out 18 inches, like a little dinner table. I thought, oh, bloody hell. So I sort of pulled myself down the like the cliff again and, and for about 15 meters this this little ledge like almost like a little seat was there and then it sort of curled back into the mountain i thought right i'm putting two rods on that because they're clearly not in 10 meters i think they're up on the wall smashing the crayfish i want my baits up on the wall and we was we was even considering tying off to the far side and just dangling our leads down the cliff <laughs> like we was like how do we I, I don't know how we get rigs i can't put i can't put a five meter zig on I ain't fishing. I ain't fishing in no man's land with a with a bit of foam, you know. Had four fish that night. Spanish guy that that showed us up there, that gave us all of the equipment, took all our terminal tackle reels and stuff like that. But he just lent us his boat, and every couple of days he brought a fresh freezer box down of food and stuff. Just left us to it. Um, he'd never had more than two fish in the night. We had, had four fish. Wow. Reposition the rods, come back. Literally walk back up the like sort of wrap through the trees, back over the rocks and stuff to camp, and then it's it's gone again. Four fish to twenty one twelve. Wow! I think we had seven. My mate had four that trip, um, and just unlocked that code on that venue that is 
and when I say low stock, I mean it's like that's un, unheard of. You know, um, there was obviously there, and there was obviously there in some sort of numbers, um, but we was getting it so so wrong for what. Bearing in mind we've been out there a whole week before that in February. Yeah, and we didn't hear them, but I was certain that they were there. Um, and then for the forty-eight hours before, just just that fine line between success and failure. If I didn't take that lure rod, I wouldn't have gone out and uh, tried to do a little bit of drop shotting off that cliff and I wouldn't have found that, that ledge, you know? And that 18 inch little ledge got, well, in the end we found another one. So we got four rods rocking. Um, and that was it. That is possibly my favorite wild venue because you just, you just, there's no, there's, you don't see anyone. There's no one there, you know, but that's angling. That is good. Well, that was camping quality. on the February trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, to turn up and unlock it and unlock it in such a way that a local person hasn't done it, and that's using your natural skills as an angler. All of the years, all the places you've gone, that's what separates a good angler from, you know. So, and as we said earlier, there's no problem with people who just want to turn up, throw a rod out, sit yeah. there with a can of lager. It's a very broad church. But when you've yeah. got that lifetime of experience of, unlocking lots of different waters you take all of that to any venue you go to so good yeah. angling mate you know, it's, it's, it's following your gut it's a lot of luck yeah there's yeah, a lot yeah. of luck but you put yourself in them positions where you get luckier more often than not um you know but it's also having i suppose you're right it's having the experience to know that it's fine to waste two rods on that for two nights because nothing's happening you know because when when all your information tells you the fish get caught at 10 meters out the old riverbed and we sat there for the first trip with, with six rods, three rods each at 10 metres in the old riverbed, not a liner, nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, then, you, you know, alarm, not alarm bells start to ring, but then you start to think, right, I, I need to look for one clue. Just give me one clue, yeah. you know. And that, and that was just a glaring great big beacon that, like I said, and yeah, it's just right place, right time. And a lot of fishing is right place, right time, but it does seem to happen to a lot of the same people, um, you know, and it is just making sure you're on the bank when you need to be on the right venue, looking at the right areas. And, and yeah, I mean, them, them, the people that just go for socials and stuff wouldn't be on those sorts of venues anyway. Yeah, you know? agreed. It's what you want from your fishing, you know, and I love those. My, my favorite trips or my favorite memories re in recent years are the, the adventures where last year I just jumped in the van with a mate and headed over to Croatia, 18 hours from Calais. Bosh, let's go Croatia. Why is that? Because I've got five days. I want to go five days fishing. I had nowhere to go, nowhere booked up in France. And you know what it's like in France. Everywhere is absolutely rammed. Yep. Go out to Croatia, turn up. Guy goes, yes, you must fish 160 yards. Go, right, okay. Whack, 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 you know, 69 fish. You know, uh, and, and I've never fished at that range. And up, up until that particular point, I always thought that, that that sort of range fishing was excessive. But until you do it for five days on the bounce and you get into a rhythm and you think, bloody hell, that is super doable with, with gear nowadays. No, no different to golf. You know, everyone's hitting a driver 300 yards nowadays because of technology. <laughs> you, might be. back, <laughs> you know, not with my back at the moment, but but technology's come along so far, do you know what I mean? But now with rods and terminal tackle nowadays that, you know, excessive ranges like that are super doable. But you have to just put yourself in the situation sometimes to learn. And you know what I said about Adam's Mill? I didn't really want to go through that steep learning curve. It's such a little intimate venue. 
Yeah. If it's a bit more bullish, bullying a China shop fishing, and I see, I feel like my angling's in a completely different place now to what it was then. I don't mind taking on something totally new because I feel like I, I do take to it like a duck to water a lot of the time. Um, but take fly fishing, for instance. I'm useless. I don't cast a great fly. I don't even know what fly to put on. And I don't want to because I love the fact that when I go fly fishing, it's all guesswork. Yeah. And don't ask me why, but I love that because it makes me feel like I did when I was a kid and I was like, oh, should I put corn on or should I put meat on? Should I put cheese on? Should I put a maggot on? You know, I have, I have no clue when I fluff, fluff chuck. No. And I love that. So I, uh, I, I've got a, a customer actually um, who turned into a mate who took me to some really small, intimate brooks in the middle of nowhere that you didn't see another soul. And he t- taught me how to nymph fish for these small wildies. And cool. I love those days out with him more than anything. Went and bought some tackle, took it up. And I took um, Georgia up to the Derwent recently. And yeah. we we walked maybe for half a mile just up the river, having little casts. And when we finished, I was like, so what did you think of that? She went, it's brilliant. That's the best fishing we've ever done. And I'm rubbish at it. And she didn't catch anything. But it's just something different, you know, because she was just, you know, five yard cast, just seeing the nymph coming through. And all the time she was just focusing on it. And I'm, I'm looking at her. She's, bless her. She should have had a fish. She was doing all the right things. And it was absolutely pissing it down. And we were wet <laughs> through. And I thought to myself, she's having a horrible day here. And we, we finished. I was just sat on the bank. And I said, what do you reckon? And she's like, I'll go with you fly fishing anytime you want to go. I've loved that. Really? Like, oh, that's it's weird how different things call to different people. Yeah, I, I I do the odd bit, and I just go out on a boat on a big reservoir, and I I I, I try to stick to my I try to stick to my like sort of my own knowledge, but it does mean I've come home with a bag empty of fish. I don't I don't catch an awful lot, but I, I love it. Me and my, my mate's useless as well. He hasn't got that. He hasn't got a clue. I mean, I'm better than him. Right, but I'm shit. So he's he's <laughs> awful. But we have a great day. Do you know what I mean? Like on the boat, we get the drogue out, and we just drift. And we drift over no fish. I'm sure. Like we're in completely the wrong area. But I don't want to go and pester all them boats over there. I just want to be out on the water. And yeah. so in them days. That's why. That's why when I'm on the commercials and people aren't particularly doing things well, but they look like they're having a great time. I'm not envious because I'm getting out of fishing what I want. But I totally. I totally get what they're getting out of the sport. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. At some stage, come up, I'll take you on a local small river. We'll go and do some dry fly fishing. And you know when it gets to a certain time of night and they're just coming up and you're taking insects and you go, there's a fish there. The first time you drop it and it comes up and it takes it, it doesn't matter if it's two ounces or two pounds. It's an amazing feeling. It really is. do that when I come up. I yeah. come up and catch that fish you lost last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting forty pound braid on <laughs> boat rods. Yeah, so yeah, my catch stuff from the Ebro. <laughs> so, mate, we've been banging on for some time, and I'm uh, I'm conscious you've got um, a lot to do today. So, I've got one last got question for you. Half, my accounts are half done. <laughs> <laughs> um, bucket list stuff. What's left? Where, where's caught your eye where you go in? I've got to go and do that. There's so many things I would love to do. So many. Um, 
but I'm really satisfied with where I've been and what I've done. I, w- I mean, the one thing I suppose that I will do inevitably in the future, but also I want to tie it in because it kind of it's 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 my wife's number one bucket list as well is um, is the sturgeon on the Fraser River. So around the September time, the salmon start to run. The sturgeon fishing's epic, but also the killer whales and the whales all come into sort of around Vancouver Island. And she'd love to kayak with the killer whales. And I'd love to video her doing it because there's no fucking way you get me on one of them things with, <laughs> with an orca coming up next to me. Um, but so that would be just a, that's a bucket list, but that's a bit of fishing in amongst a three week mega like, you know, lifetime holiday for, for us both. Yeah. Um, there's no, I mean, I, there's, so, there's, there's, so I went, I went and I know, did it, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but two weeks out from it, I got a bit of a bad back. I was just, my, my disc was a little bit mobile. So I thought rather than rest up, get myself right. Cause I've got a big fishing trip coming up. I'll go into the gym and I met a mate of mine from the boxing club and he says, oh, do you want to do a few burpees? And I'm like, yeah, we'll do that. And he absolutely battered me. And I woke up the next day. I couldn't move. I was literally holding on to stuff to try and get myself around because it was that bad. And then a week later, I was hooked up to 200-pound fish that just wanted to go on 100-meter runs. I swear to God, mate, they are so strong. They're probably the hardest pulling fish I've fought. And it may be down to the fact that you're in running water. I was going to say that. You, you know put, when they go. You put, you put, you put a 200-pound meek on in the Fraser River pushing, what's it, what's it push? 8, 9, 10, 12 knots? I don't know, more. Yeah, it's, more. it's, it's got to be. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And in some places, think, it's only 8 inches deep. Yeah, I don't think you're ever stopping a meek on in that respect. Because I've, I've hooked some big still water sturgeon and they haven't come anywhere near close to what a Mekong would be like. So imagine hooking one of those Mekong in the Mekong, which is obviously a big, powerful river. You wouldn't because they feed on stuff that, you know, we'd never catch them on. But um, I, I, it just looks brilliant, you know. Off the back of the boat, it looks great. The scenery, you know, I feel like the wife would absolutely love it as well. Plus, there's so many other things that I want to do whilst out there. I've been to Canada once in 2001, um, but that was to compete. Edmonton. And... And I just sort of flew home straight after it. You know, by the time I'd finished competing, I did all right, but I, I was sort of a bit knackered. So I wanted to come home and get myself treated and fixed. But um, I suppose that's the, that's the next thing on my wish list because it's really accessible and probably going to happen. The wife's got a big birthday next year. Um, as long, I'm not in any hurry to fly or book any flights, though, mm. let's be honest. Um, but it, it'd be lovely if it could happen next year. If not, it'll have to happen when she's a little older. Um, but this, mate, I'm, I'd love to catch a big mass here, you know. I'd, my number one bucket list has always been a £100 Nile perch, but I don't feel like that's accessible anywhere other than Murchison Falls now. Yeah. Um, and, and this goes back to the bit around taking opportunities when they're around because you never know when something's going to be overfished, whether there's going to be pollution. There's, uh, there's certain points in time, and you're absolutely right, things like a £100 Nile perch – right place in history you could have booked a flight and stood a good chance of catching one and then there was was a big fish kill in in the it was lake nasa wasn't it and they just they just disappeared yeah perch quite a fragile creature though aren't they you know like if 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 there's something going wrong with a lake often it's the perch that start rolling over first 
Um, and if I'm right in saying they, they actually sort of almost got wiped out in this country a few decades ago, didn't they? In the, was it 70s or 80s or something like that? Really? Yeah, I'm, t- I'm too young yeah. to remember that, mate. Well, yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, I was only kitchen <laughs> in my daddy's pants, as they say. But I, um, there's no, there's no, mate. I don't have any set like fish targets. I'll go, hap- I'll happily go fish for a big carp. I'll happily go fish for a big barbel. I'll happily go fish for another big chub. But I ain't gonna set my stall out and get obsessed about anything. You know, I quite like the diversity, and I like the, I like the, the I suppose I like the, the fact that I'm sort of quite settled in the fact that picked a few of them off and I just enjoy me fishing now you know I do make sure I'm on venues where there's a chance of a PB but I'm not a PB hunter you know that's not me now I'm definitely still a specimen hunter I like to catch big fish but it hasn't got a you know I'm not going to go sort of breaking my neck to try and catch a 12 pound tension or anything like that if it's not accessible or sort of doable because I think my time my time has to be justified for what I'm doing at the moment um but trip-wise, yeah, that that'd be hard to beat. I feel. Yeah, it's it's a stunning location. You you should go and do it. It's I can't say the the week that we went, uh, the fishing was tough. Like, you, you know, when you go and the bloke says, "What, what time of year did you go?" Uh, autumn time. Can't remember. It's it's a few years ago now. But, no, but um, the, right, the right time of year, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. The time when you should be getting seven, eight fish every single day and some big ones mixed in and yeah. we had three days of blanking that, that's harsh yeah, that's, that's fishing though isn't it that is yeah. fishing it's harsh when you're paying 700 bucks a boat <laughs> oh yeah and you just sat watching the rod tips all day for eight hours and um yeah it uh there's some very quiet evenings at the dinner table while we were there but you catch one that as you know i used to travel with my dad and our yeah. aim was to go and catch as many hundred pound freshwater fish as were out there until he got yeah. some bad health, which was obviously very, very unfortunate. Um, we ticked a lot off, but we went on that trip and we both got a hundred pounder and it yeah. was, you know, mission solved on to the next thing. But we've what's, always what's said your next bucket list. What's your bucket list? Because you're quite well travelled. Uh, do you know I'd like to go back out to the Florida Keys properly? I did it with a fish off, but I got Bless him if he's watching. I apologise, but I got a skipper that had a bad fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> he anchored us up to a uh, to a pelican. <laughs> I said, really? "I said, what are we fishing to today?" And he said, "Oh, there's a wreck down there." I said, "Where?" He said, "Down there." I said, "Where?" He said, "Down there, about hundred yards." And I went, "Really?" He went, "Yeah, you see the t- you see the mast just poking out the water." I went, "That hundred yards." He went, "Yeah." So while he was anchoring up, the the, the mast flew off. <laughs> it was a bird, and that's when I thought, "Yeah, Ali stuffed me on this one because my one's anchoring me up to stuff that ain't even there." <laughs> he said he got blown in with the hurricanes a few months before. I'm like, got blown out with the hurricane also. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so I'd like to go back out and do that a couple. I'd like to do that because I feel like when you go filming out to places like that, often you don't get the very best. Um, experience i had a lovely time i experienced it enough to know that i'd want to go back but the fishing obviously wasn't that great either because the water was quite cold and so the the flats and shallows didn't come into play so it was difficult for most skippers around that time in his defense suriname was probably one of the best places that i've been as well um and we was lucky i mean on the very last night i got out to go and do some some lao lao fishing for myself but when you get four hours after a 10-day trip to get fishing for yourself and 
for the end of the for the last challenge, Paul and I took three days to catch one fish, um, and I think Bobby caught one on the very first night, but then he never caught one for the next two days. You know what I mean? So they weren't like mega prolific, but you knew you was on them. And I sat there with the director, Nick, and we had two rods out, and the right-hand rod on the live, it started doing this, started twitching. And as we were both watching the right-hand rod, the left-hand rod just buckled over. And I played this fish up to the boat, didn't even have to come off the anchor, I played this fish up to the boat thinking it's a 50-60 sort of thing on the gear that we're using, you can tame them. And um, I've actually got some video footage, there's some colourful language on it. But, you know, the old story when it's just, it's just cruising from the top of the boat to the bottom of the boat, right? And you see your line and your lead like that. And you're concentrating on where the, line, the hook link's entering the water. And then the towel comes up and thrashes seven foot away. And you go, <laughs> flipping neck. And it turned out to be a 150-160. So I didn't get any great photographs. Got some on the old BlackBerry phone sort of thing because I didn't have a camera or anything with me. Didn't expect anything to happen. So I kind of did, I caught a really nice peacock bass about four or five pound out there as well and some big electric eels. So I sort of caught a few fish whilst out there filming in really limited time, which is really fortunate. All down to the guide, nothing down to me. So I'd like to go and do that again, but I feel like I sort of ticked that box if it never happens. But the Florida Keys, I didn't tick a box. I caught one yeah. shark about too long. Um, never saw a real, oh, I did see a big shark, saw a 150 pound bull shark. That was quite nice, but... Um, didn't catch a grouper, which I'd love to have done. I've spoke to you many times about it because I know you've done it a few mm. times. Um, so that, I suppose, would be on my wish list. But the, but that's behind the, the sturgeon on the Fraser River. And I think the sturgeon uh, uh, is very, very doable. But yeah. anyway, I asked you a question 25 minutes ago. What's your, <laughs> what, what do you want to do? Well, I've still got unfinished. But I was talking to Keith about it last week. Um, I, I want a hundred pound tarpon on the fly. That's been oh, burn, yeah. burning a hole in the back of me for a very, very long time. Um, so that that's my main target fish, but it's so far away and it's so much money to go over. It's one of those things that might end up as a retirement fish. And I just, yeah. I, I go over when I've retired and I get myself a little flats boat and I just spend a couple of weeks. The trouble with fishing out there is it, it's so expensive. If you want a guide, Six yeah. seven hundred quid a day, and if there's a group of you going, yeah, yeah, no, it, it it can get stupidly expensive. So, uh, what else? You got yeah. anything that's doable, like as in, like, like on on the horizon? Are you got are you targeting any fish or anything? Because I'm not, I've got no targets. I'm just fishing for the love of fishing, which is a really lovely place to be. What in the UK? You mean my my current yeah. fishing? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have the luxury of a lot of time to fish all of mine is done as you know i'm that guy who'll turn up after work and i'll put a bit of work in but actually my rods go out and i'm fishing if i don't catch anything that's perfectly okay say again yeah (laughs) they've they've stopped coming with me now because apparently dad snores quite a lot um ethan came with me earlier on the year and um about three o'clock in the morning we uh, we got a take and I, and I looked at him. I went, "Were you up?" He went, "I'm not sleeping." I was like, "Are you all right?" He went, "You were snoring so loud." So he's basically gone now. I'm not coming with you anymore. You just snore too much. Yeah, but yeah, I can't. They... I, can't I can't share a swim with a snorer. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't. I don't want to be getting up. I don't mind getting up to land fish with people, and I, I, I obviously don't mind getting up to land fish for myself. But I don't want to be in. I don't want to be kept awake by a snorer, and it, it angers me. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, so if we go carp fishing together, 
Like we, we just have to meet in the middle somewhere because yeah. I need to be well out of audio range. <laughs> Set separate swims. Um, yeah. I'll bring, I'll bring, I have been known to actually take people earplugs and people laughing. I oh, yeah, thanks, mate. I'm like, no, you, you will need them. You really bad. Yeah, I've had operations and all sorts. I've done it ever since I, I was young. I've, it's just one of those things. But um, as I I've got people wake me up in the night because they feel like they thought I was dead. I'm so <laughs> I'm so, when when we go to shows and share a room with one of the gurus and stuff, I can't remember who it was. One of them woke me up prodding me, and I went, "What?" He went, "I thought you was dead." I was like, "No, I'm fine." <laughs> he said, "You're the quietest sleeper ever." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." <laughs> Don't move, mate. No, there's. I don't think anybody will be under any illusions that I'm not alive. <laughs> yeah, you're on the way. You're dying, but yeah. not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe choking slightly in my sleep. Yeah. Maybe I've got sleep apnea. Maybe that's it. Oh, mate, the amount of people now I see on the bank, and they've got those big old masks on now. Yeah, right. it's uh, right. it's a common thread. Mate, we have banged on for a couple of hours. I oh. am super grateful for you coming on we don't get to do this often enough and it's we always a pleasure Pardon? You know, we don't and do you know what the funny thing is actually i forgot to store your new number in my phone so your last couple of texts i just dismissed <laughs> <laughs> i was like it was only when you whatsapp me and i saw your thing i was like oh you must have texted me your new number at some point and i just forgot to store it i might not have done because it's a new work phone all oh, right oh we're sorry yeah, right. there you go. <laughs> right, mate, been a pleasure. Let's not leave it as long next time. Thanks for your That's time, mate. I'll, I'll be up to the trend soon, mate. I'll give you a knock. All right, we'll definitely do that. Oh, Cheers, buddy. mate. See you soon.